Welcome to All Things Vegas, nourishing self-care for the helping professional. During our time together, we will explore a wide variety of topics relating to self-care, all especially geared to the helping professional. Our guests are all thought leaders and cutting-edge providers in their respective fields of endeavor. They will offer not only helpful insights, but practical skills that you can begin to use immediately. Susan Waters is a wellness instructor and coach. She's also a Reiki master practicing restorative bodywork. She utilizes modalities from Eastern, Western, and sacred traditions. With an integrative approach, she provides instruction on how to release stress, gain clarity, focus, and develop skills to manifest positive change and full potential. Providing a safe and supportive environment, she helps those seeking healing, personal growth, and well-being. Susan is a certified Reiki master in the UC tradition and is certified in energy medicine, mindfulness, meditation, and stress management. For more information on Susan's work, you may visit her website at waterswellnessllc.com or visit the show notes. Well, Susan, thank you so much for joining us today for our episode, All Things Vegas. Really looking forward to your perspective on self-care. Well, thank you for having me. One of the things that that would be great to start with is to establish a foundation for what self-care actually is. I think it's a word that gets thrown around a lot, and I'm not not terribly sure that we all necessarily are on the same sheet of music about what that even means. So if you could start by clarifying that from your perspective as a professional in that field, that would be great. As an energy medicine provider... I believe that life is nurturing the energy that we have to be able to fully live the magic that is our life. And that encompasses both our mind, our body, our spirit, our emotions. Practically, it consists of developing very healthy habits, eliminating unhealthy habits as much as we can, and to continue to self-monitor and self-manage our self-care so that then we have the energy and the capacity to deal with whatever life has to throws at us. And so ultimately, it's about taking responsibility for our own health and well-being. And that can be, I think, tricky for some people to actually accept the responsibility for taking that on for themselves. A lot of times we tend to sometimes get ourselves into a victim stance about things that have happened to us. And sometimes it's hard to dig ourselves out of that hole. It can be uncomfortable. Self-care includes sometimes some self-reflection and to go deep and to find out why we do the things that we do. Why do we always reach for unhealthy habits when we well know that healthy habits take us a lot further and allow us to live a much fuller life? I think most caregivers are very, very stretched Most don't have the time they feel. They don't have the time it takes to do self-care. But it's just so vitally important because if we don't fill our metaphorical well, then we don't have the energy to truly be present and to help others. You're starting to go into what my next question was, which was this idea about the misconceptions that are out there, especially in the helping professionals field or in those practices about what self-care actually is. And many times that also gets us into perhaps naming what 
we would refer to as barriers or obstacles. And you started to address that. So let's dig into that a little bit more. With a lot of caregivers that they're so focused on giving that they feel like self-care is a luxury or that it's somehow self-indulgent or it's selfish. And on the contrary, I believe that it's vitally important for us to bring our best game to our caregiving, to have the energy not alone to maintain a healthy lifestyle and keep on top of our emotions and our reactions to things in the world, but also to be able to be there so that we can serve others. Another misconception is that our practice has to be really big or really perfect, and that's not the case at all. Sometimes our self-care can be just right in the moment. It could only take a few seconds. And I think self-awareness is the key to that, is to be present enough to be able to recognize when things happen that we can stop and just pause and really be with what's going on so that we don't just react out of a knee-jerk reaction. And that can be done in a moment in your car when someone cuts you off or with a colleague that maybe a conversation is not going very well, things like that. So our practice doesn't have to be big. Those small moments add up and then they accumulate into a healthy lifestyle. And another misconception is, and I deal with this in my coaching practice, is that Clients come in as like prepared that I'm somehow going to deprive them of something is, oh, please don't take away that habit. Please don't take away that coping mechanism. And I'm not here to do that. I have my own and they definitely have their time and place. But I guess what I'm trying to coach people with is to be able to understand why we're doing what we're doing. And then that just opens us up to options to do things in a different way rather than just automatically responding. So it's not about depriving. It's about adding on habits that are healthy that ultimately make us feel good and then make us want to continue doing that. And like a good diet, it crowds out the more negative or destructive activities or substances or whatever. That life, healthy lifestyle becomes the reward in itself. You started to address this whole thing. I also, I mean, because those absolutely, those are really, I think, common. What I see also is common, really, misconceptions about self-care. So our ability to be able to take the time to be able to self-reflect, to develop a different or or more robust level of self-awareness, this is not a one and done. This is an ongoing, probably lifelong practice, yes. which a lot of us have a really hard time getting our heads wrapped around. Mm-hmm. We like to get it done in six weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're used to that kind of marketing. So can we talk about these very, very real, as far as our perceptions, around things like not having enough time, not having enough financial resources, all of those things that get thrown up in front of us when we're trying to change, because it's hard work. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Those are very real obstacles. Not having the time certainly limits our options. But I would challenge that in the fact that you have to go to the bathroom. So, Go in the stall and take a few moments to get centered. It's probably not the best place to breathe, but (laughs) or go outside and get your feet on the ground and get all of those wonderful free electrons that are coming from the earth 
that are coherent with a calm state of mind. There are moments in our commutes, times where we maybe waste some time. It doesn't feel like it at the moment. Like, for example, getting on social media and getting those dopamine hits, those feel-good hits, those certainly have their place. But is that really what we want to do? Or do we want to do an activity that's going to make us feel better for way longer and ultimately be much more healthy for us. But I think basically is it's reframing, is seeing our life. We have limited amount of energy, right? And our life becomes our masterpiece. The way we live our life is our life masterpiece. And so don't we want to bring the best tools and the brightest colors and to do the best that we can with it so that we can not alone live a happy, full life, but also be there and be able to care for others. It sounds more like the idea of actually rather than adding to a schedule that's already perceived of as being overwhelming and maybe really super busy, and it could be. I mean, we all have busy lives. We also would have to take some time to look for the things that are not in keeping with where we feel like we want to be in terms of how we live our lives and actually replace those with the things that do support. Am I doing getting that correctly? You absolutely okay. are. And and I think it takes a little bit of brutal editing. Mm-hmm. Let's look at our schedule and say, okay, these are the things that I absolutely have to do. The kids need certain things, the family needs certain things, the job needs certain things, the parents need certain things. Those are really non-negotiable at certain times in our lives. But the things that don't add value to our lives, that don't further us with what our purpose is, I think we need to get really honest and to cut those things out. It's okay to say no. And yeah, it may be difficult. If something is toxic, we need to find a way to uh, remove that from our life. And so it's kind of a Marie Kondo, your entire schedule and what you do with your life energy. And it's a matter of constant priority, too. I think it's a moving target most of the time, is that what's important today might shift slightly tomorrow. I think just being in touch with ourselves and also to watch our energy level is when we can be present and embody ourselves within our body is to be able to be in touch with what brings me joy, what lifts my spirit, what makes me feel energetic. And in contrast, what makes me feel pulled down? What activity, perhaps stopping with a colleague and it turns to gossip, how you can feel your energy start to drop. We have this finely tuned intuition that we're constantly nurturing and honing. And if we just stop long enough to listen to it, I think we know where we can find the time. I think we know the things that are healthy that we can do. And it's not perfect. It's not perfect at all. I constantly am am battling some of the same things. But one thing I am willing to do is to keep looking and to see, okay, what can I do a little bit better today? Also, a lot of what we're talking about here is free. Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't, there's not a necessarily a financial investment here. So it's really not necessarily about a big 
monetary investment into any of this. Absolutely. And most of stress management is free. In my classes, we often, I refer to it as peeling the stress onion, is we start with the physical and to shake off the tension and and the negative energy. And then that opens up. All of this is free. And then it frees our mind and, and our bodies to breathe deeper, to be able to clear our minds a little bit and get some of that clutter out of there, get beyond our stories and some of those negative beliefs, if only just for a moment. And it's like meditation. Some people think you need to be on a mountaintop. You don't. It, it's nice when you can be, of yeah. course, but you don't have to do that. It's a matter of a moment where you can say, you know what, I need to clear my mind. Take a few deep breaths, get in your body, feel that energy sort of expand and open up, and you'll feel so much better just within a couple of moments. Mm-hmm. So it's a practice. Can we talk about some, because what we also really like to do within the the context of these episodes is really drill down into what can people do? If I wanted to challenge any of our listeners today, or you wanted to challenge any of our listeners to start today, which I think is the directive. It's like, don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait for the beginning of the week. Start like in the next minute or Mm -hmm. two. It's just like, start now. What can you do right now to begin to move the dial and to start to establish some of these really relatively simple concepts, not easy to do, but simple Mm -hmm. concepts. Exactly. The first thing to do, I think, is to meet ourselves where we are. Some people are just starting a brand new practice and maybe aren't familiar with any of these techniques. Some people have a practice and they want to deepen it. And it doesn't matter. There's no judgment. Have some self-compassion. At the end of the day, we're all doing the best we can, right? And so if we can meet ourselves where we are, then that takes away a whole big negative of, oh, I don't have time. Oh, I don't, you know, I can't do this. I don't know what to do, is just say, it's okay. I have doubts, but I can take a moment and move forward anyway. To start a practice, I think, too, is setting an intention or a goal. It's always good to have just a rough idea of what you're trying to accomplish, With self-care, for example, if you're extremely tired, what can you do in this moment? First of all, you have to just feel inside yourself and identify. What is it? Am I tired? Am I angry? Am I uneasy, restless? To be able to just identify that and then to set the intention of, okay, I have a moment here. I don't have any money. And I just want to do something really good for myself is to be able to identify. Maybe it's closing your eyes and resting and breathing for a few minutes to get your energy back up. Maybe it's to stop and think, that driver just cut me off and I'm angry, is again, to stop and to say, okay, I can't control that, so am I going to ruin my day and their day and everybody else's day that's watching this? And so those little moments, I think, as they happen, It doesn't have to be a big deal, but if we can just stay aware and to capitalize on those opportunities to incorporate some of these things. You spoke to this, and I want to drill this down a little bit more, is this whole idea of self-awareness. So knowing yourself well enough to know where you tend to go in particular situations, to 
recognize that all of us have energy changes through the day. Some of us are morning people and we're a lot more creative first thing in the morning. Some of us are not. And to really recognize that part of how we can work with our energy is to also plan things that take those skills for the times of the day that we're at our best with it. Like really doing that so that we're actually not stressing ourselves out more. At that point, doing some body scanning is always helpful. And I think there's some go-tos for most people. Some of the most common activities that people in all sorts of caregiving roles do, we can approach it on a physical level, a mental level, an emotional level, or a spiritual level. And so when one doesn't have the skills or doesn't know immediately what they need to do, or perhaps they can't connect in with what their body is needing, is to go to the basics, the physical needs. Are we hydrated? Do we have fairly good nutrition? Are we breathing properly? Are we resting enough? Things like that. And to try to fill those gaps, because ultimately we're a physical body and we need to make sure that is running as well as can be expected in that moment. And sometimes if we're agitated or anxious, fearful, things like that, is to maybe think about approaching it from a, a more of a mental standpoint or emotional standpoint. Meditation is such a great go-to because just the very act of breathing deeply and calming our minds and getting quiet, sometimes that alone is enough. If we're feeling highly emotional, sometimes it can be painful and it's not always appropriate to really embrace that emotion and to let it run its course rather than run from it. There are times we have to distract ourselves from it so that we can do what we're doing. But if we can eventually just be able to sit with that emotion, it's uncomfortable. But to sit with it, and when you do and put full attention on it, it's really interesting how it morphs. It softens. It lessens. It breaks up a little bit. It changes into something else. And it doesn't have as much power over us. And then we have an option as to how we're going to react to it. Another thing that people love is anything that connects the spirit, which isn't just religion. It can be just being connected to something beyond ourselves, whether that be our higher selves or nature, the beauty and wonder of nature and the wisdom there. If you have a God or an entity, if it's just the universe, just the mystery of the universe, all of those are really good go-tos when one doesn't know exactly what they need in the moment. Right. Sometimes trying to really engage with trying to know something that really isn't ours to know can be extraordinarily overwhelming. And there are lots and lots of things that we can learn. We can learn how to breathe properly. We can learn how to move our bodies in a way that is rejuvenating. We can learn the skills to sleep better. We can learn about how we nourish our bodies on all those different levels. And yet there remains these big mysteries that we just need to kind of let them be mysteries. Well, that's the beauty of life, isn't yeah, it? That we yeah. can't, we really can't figure everything out. But it's also a way that we can work with what we have and make the most of it. So if we were to circle back and say, okay, here are some entry points into how you might jumpstart a practice of self-care. 
where would you, and I realize that everybody starts in a different place and everybody has different experiences and experience levels. How would you think, regardless across all of those, because we're all human beings and we all share a nervous system that does what it does, mm. how would you suggest in general that we get started? Caregivers give so much of themselves and they see so much need and it's an endless need. And I think gratitude goes a really long way. There are always areas in our life where we might feel like we're lacking, but I think gratitude in even being able to entertain the thought of self-care is to be grateful that we have this energy that we're able to manage. And most of the time, we have the opportunity to manage. But then there's also like some hacks about how to get started. Companionship is buddy up with somebody. It helps keep you accountable. It keeps it interesting. You can support each other. Get your kids involved. Grab your pet who wants to go out all the time anyway. And use these tools and tricks, if you might say, to be able to jumpstart you. And I think that the rewards of doing even the smallest things will add up and then be the motivator to continue. I think also, too, we're at a really exciting time in life because we've got the technology, we've got the knowledge, there's wellness trackers and apps and programs, meditation programs, and all sorts of other tools that make it really easy for us. And if we're on our phones all day anyway, which I hope we're not, but if we are, why not add in a five-minute meditation? And just some of those little ways. I'm not normally a big advocate of multitasking because I think it can keep us from being fully present, but there's easy ways to do a couple of things at the same time. If you have to have a boring meeting, why not have it outside and have a walking meeting? Or if you have a few minutes to eat, why not go outside and put your feet or hands or body on the ground and really absorb the earth's energy? I think there are just a lot of ways that we can sneak that practice in. Just to get us going. Because I think also once we start feeling better, it just is a lot easier to keep it going. It is. It's self-sustaining. It's self-perpetuating. And it's sustainable, too. We keep filling that well in little ways, and we just keep the energy going. Anything else as we're wrapping up here today that you want to touch on that we haven't talked about or I haven't asked about? Is there anything that you want to address in this whole arena of how do we get going? I think we need to learn to recognize the signs of stress is on a physical level, we may have fatigue, we may be tired all the time, we may have trigger emotions, have a lot of anger, anxiety, depression, also difficulty sleeping, there can be like a numbness. And I think being in touch with our regulation with where we are in the sympathetic and parasympathetic range There's the low end, which is really apathetic, and that's that numbness. It's that disassociation. And then we move up to that that part where there's a little tension, but excitement and energy that we can continue with the flow of our day. And then there's other times where we are just dysregulated. And I think we need to recognize that when we're destroying our relationships, when we're doing things that we don't want to do, taking on very destructive habits – 
or if our emotions are out of control, is to be aware of when that happens and to either on our own be able to bring that back down into regulation or two, don't be afraid to get help. Don't be afraid to go outside and get professional help. We're caregivers and we have specialties. We have gifts that we bring to the table. So do other people. So when you need to tap into a professional, you know, find help. And that's what they do. That's what they're good at. That's their caregiving. So don't be afraid to say, I need help. And we all do. Life is hard. I mean, we get traumas, we have losses, we have challenges. And sometimes we just need that extra little push. Well, especially if you're feeling stuck and you find yourself back again to the same pattern and you can't seem to, sometimes you can't see past the weeds, so to speak. That sounds like it might be a a time to get some outside eyes. I know we've talked about about a lot of things, but one thing is not to overthink it. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, a lot of us know some of the things that we can do fairly easily. And just do them. Just do them. And when we bump into a resistance, for me, it manifests as this sort of like two-year-old squirmy, don't take that away from me kind of thing. And it's very uncomfortable. And I want my little guilty pleasure which is fine. If we want to indulge in that, let's do it consciously and enjoy it. But for me, the the squirmy two-year-old, I need to just hold her hand and say, okay, I understand you're feeling this way. I don't want to take anything away from you. So let's compromise and let's look at how we can do a little bit of that, but then also do something healthy. And it's okay. We can't put any more pressure on ourselves than we already do. Ultimately, I think the biggest message is There's only one of you in this world, in this whole cosmos, on this earth, within humans and other beings. There's only one you, and it's precious, and it's special. So do what you can to make that light shine as bright and as long as possible. Yeah, great ending message. Well, thank you, Susan. Really appreciate you being with us here today. It's been a joy to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. 